British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has landed in Tel Aviv, starting a two-day visit to the Middle East. Mr. Sunak is expected to meet his Israeli counterpart, Benjamin Netanyahu, and Israeli President Isaac Herzog. For what he said on his arrival here, he hoped would be productive meetings. This after urging regional leaders to avoid further dangerous escalation. We'll be speaking in a bit to our chief international correspondent, Lise Doucette, about what Mr. Sunak hopes to achieve here. In Gaza, meanwhile, Egypt has agreed to let humanitarian supplies in via the Rafah crossing. An initial convoy of around 20 trucks of aid are expected to enter Gaza after a deal announced by President Biden. But none of this is likely to happen until Friday. Announcing the agreement, the U.S. president warned that the aid convoys would be stopped if any supplies were confiscated by Hamas, which governs Gaza and is labelled a terrorist organisation by the U.K. and the U.S. We can bring you live pictures now of Gaza. It is around 10 o'clock now in the morning there. Israel's military says it hit hundreds of sites in Gaza over the last 24 hours, including in the south of the Gaza Strip in the last half hour. It says it's been targeting Hamas infrastructure. With the latest, here's our correspondent, Wira Davis. As trucks carrying aid queue on the Egyptian side of Gaza's southern border, the UN and international aid agencies have become increasingly alarmed at the unfolding humanitarian crisis. On a visit to Israel that lasted barely a day, while reaffirming his steadfast support, Joe Biden also pressed the case for aid for Gaza's two and a half million Palestinian citizens, many of whom are struggling to get access to food, water and medical supplies. Then, on the plane home, the president told reporters that a deal had been reached. Egypt had agreed to let an initial 20 trucks in through the Rafa crossing. This has been a very uh, blunt negotiation I've had. And uh, so we want to get as many of the trucks out as possible. There's, I guess, 150 or something there. Not all of them will go. The first tranche, if there's a second tranche, see how it goes. The aid will be delivered under UN supervision, with the president saying it might not arrive until Friday. There was also a warning that it will stop if any is taken by Hamas, which had been one of Israel's main concerns. We've said and the Americans have said there have to be safeguards in place to make sure that aid goes to the people it's supposed to go to. Now, Hamas are the only people in Gaza with guns, and it's not like if they come to an oil taker and say, come here, uh, there's much that you can do about it. But there have to be arrangements in place to make sure that that doesn't happen. Both Israeli and Palestinian officials are still blaming each other for a huge explosion at a Gaza hospital that killed almost 500 people. President Biden had earlier said he believed Israel's version of events. As the dead were buried, the blame game continued and tensions rise ahead of what many assume is an inevitable Israeli ground invasion of Gaza. And with almost 200 hostages held by Hamas inside Gaza, there are concerns that direct Israeli action might jeopardize their safety. Their families will have taken some comfort after President Biden said he'd also discussed their plight, saying he could not reveal details, but there was no higher priority than their safe return. There will be more diplomatic visits in coming days, including Rishi Sunak's today, supporting Israel's right to self-defense 
but also urging restraint with civilian populations when, as expected, Israeli ground forces do go into Gaza. Wada Davis, BBC News, Jerusalem. From Gaza now, we turn to Israel's northern border with Lebanon. There have been further cross-border exchanges of fire between Israeli forces and Hezbollah militants in southern Lebanon. The Israeli military said rockets and anti-tank missiles had been fired into Israel from southern Lebanon. It said it responded then with tank fire and a drone strike. Hezbollah is backed by Iran. It said two of its fighters were killed on Wednesday and another was wounded. These border skirmishes have raised concerns in Israel that it could face a two-front war. We can cross live now to our correspondent, Anna Foster, who's on the Israel-Lebanon boundary. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, how, how does it feel at where you where you are at the moment because we talk about cross-border skirmishes. We're still talking about uh, exchanges of fire, of course, between uh, Israel's mighty military and Hezbollah, which uh, has a huge arsenal itself, that militia in southern Lebanon. So the potential there for escalation is huge. And that's what both sides are thinking at the moment, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that is why there is <clears throat> so much concern when you compare the, the size of Hezbollah, the number of fighters it has, the amount of firepower it has um, to its allies, Hamas, down in the south. Hezbollah is a, a huge threat on this northern border. That is why Israel have moved so many of their troops, so many armored vehicles and tanks. And you see them when you travel along this border, as I've been doing for, for several days now. What you see is empty communities. You see towns and villages within two kilometers of the border that have been evacuated, almost completely evacuated. There are just soldiers there now and some local security teams. Uh, you see right along the roads where uh, Israel have, have really done what they can with their military to shore up this border. And it's also worth saying as well, you know, it's interesting the point you make that this is, this is always a, a tense place. It has been for years. But while we're talking about what's going on this, in the south around Gaza, we see those constant rocket attacks from Hamas. And similarly, we've seen the Israeli airstrikes. It doesn't normally happen like this on this border. Yes, it's tense, but you don't normally see these constant exchanges of fire. You don't normally see these, these engagements like this. And this is a, a really worrying upturn. And I think that's why you're seeing so much international diplomacy focusing on this border. Joe Biden, when he was, uh, he was here yesterday, the US president, he said very, very clearly, very explicitly in his press conference to any uh, hostile actor or state that is planning to attack Israel, don't, don't, don't. That's why they put aircraft carriers in the eastern Mediterranean. That's why the UK Foreign Secretary James Cleverly uh, is coming in parallel with that visit from the British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. But he will go to Qatar, Turkey and Egypt. And, and his mission is very clear as well. It is to try and stop this conflict, conflict spreading and becoming a, a regional war. Absolutely, Anna. But as you say, while Israel has um, emptied out uh, places where Israelis are living close to that uh, border with Lebanon, it is moving more troops up 
to that border. To what extent do you think we are in a situation where Hezbollah feels it needs to be seen to be doing something because of that tense situation in Gaza, uh, those pictures seen around the world of the suffering of Palestinian civilians bringing uh, people out into the street in protest across the Arab world, including into Lebanon, and Israel feels it needs to, to be seen to be firing back. And to what extent are we really on the edge of a possible escalation. Difficult to say with certainty, Anna, of course, but the sense where you are. Yeah, it, it is. It's a really key point, Catcher. And I think there are two, two things at play here. One is these constant exchanges of fire across the border because they are to an extent limited. They tend not to, to, to focus on, on civilian infrastructure. They tend to focus on military posts. They, they are... They describe it as sort of the, the agreed rules of engagement on the northern border, as it were. The problem will be if something goes wrong, if there are a large number of civilian casualties on one side or another, a, a misstep almost, and, and that could risk inflaming tensions. The other, as you rightly say, is at what point does Iran, essentially, because Hezbollah is backed by Iran, and Iran are the ones who really will, will make the decisions about what Hezbollah does. But, but you're right to say, what could that trigger be? Now, I think the main thing that has been discussed is this Israeli ground operation into Gaza, which we've been talking about for, for well over a week now, which hasn't happened yet. But I think a lot of people might see that as the trigger point. I think the explosion at the hospital in Gaza, again, I know there was a lot of concern the day before yesterday when that happened, because people thought, will that be the inflammatory moment? But the rhetoric that we are hearing from Iran and, and what we're seeing you know, in terms of what they're doing, the Iranian foreign minister has been touring the region. He's been in Beirut talking to Hezbollah's leadership. Um, they've been on social media saying the time for political solutions is running out, um, that they cannot stand by and, and watch Palestinians in Gaza be treated this way. Um, and I think that is why there is, there is so much tension that, you know, the... I think the accepted belief that, that a big moment could again be something that, that, that I say forces, I mean it doesn't force, but in, in their minds it would force Hezbollah, force Iran to get involved in this conflict and, and that is what is causing so much worry here. Absolutely, Anna. We can't overemphasize, can we, how much the sense here uh, and across the Middle East is that we are in a very perilous situation uh, where escalation could be round the corner and we will be looking at all the diplomatic efforts a bit later in our program. For now, thank you very much, Anna Foster on the Israel-Lebanon border. And we can now turn to uh, the Israel-Gaza border. Um, we can join Lise Doucette uh, right on the border there uh, in southern Israel. Lise, we were just talking to Anna there about tensions in the north. Of course, in the south, things remain tense at this very heightened sense uh, ever since militants from the Gaza Strip crossed over into southern Israel, uh, killing 1,400 people, taking 200 hostages into Gaza, where they remain now. And Israel's military saying they've continued striking Gaza uh, overnight and um, into this morning as well. Yes, Israel's, uh, there's been no let up in Israel's military operations, heavy bombardment overnight. Uh, people living in Gaza have spoken of the 
non-stop bombardment since the beginning of this crisis, living under the attacks night and day. There were reports this morning uh, that people living in high-rise residential blocks were told to leave uh, and that those uh, blocks were destroyed. And so more families are on the streets now looking for shelter. Yesterday, the United Nations expressed concern that there was still bombardment in the south of the Gaza Strip, which is where Israel had ordered uh, more than a million Palestinians to flee, flee from their homes in the north for their safety and protection, um, Israel said. But they're coming under bombardment too. But I think this morning, Katya, so many Gazans will be hoping against hope that that news that President Joe Biden has secured an agreement from Israel and Egypt to get the first convoy of trucks, some 20 trucks in all, coming through that Rafah crossing, bringing some of that desperately needed aid. 20 trucks is not enough, but at least it is a beginning. And that is what they'll be hoping as they struggle to find shelter, water, food and at this, in these hours. Um, as you say, the, the, the idea is to let uh, water, uh, food and medicines into the Gaza Strip so needed, as, as the UN does keep emphasising. Israel, though, involved you know, in, in brokering that agreement to allow in the aid trucks, has said fuel is not allowed into the Strip. The concern, says Israel, is that fuel could be diverted by Hamas inside Gaza. How needed is fuel? It's needed sort of for... Uh, pumping water, right, and water desalination as well. Yes, um, it, it was striking that when the United Nations, the spokesperson for the UN's Relief and Works Agency, UNRWA, which is the main agency helping Palestinians uh, in, in, other Palestine, in the other Palestinian territory in the occupied West Bank, but also in the Gaza Strip, when they listed the urgent needs, uh, life-saving needs of the people of Gaza, uh, she emphasized that it was fuel that was desperately needed, yes, to pump the water. Our, our viewers may remember that some days ago, uh, during a phone call between Prime Minister Netanyahu and President Joe Biden, who was then in Washington, it was announced that there was an agreement that water could go into the southern uh, Gaza Strip. But then the next day, we were told by the United Nations that the pumps only worked for three hours, which not enough for the more than a million Gazans desperate uh, water in the of, of the Gaza Strip. And of course, you do need, as you mentioned, electricity to be able to, to, to pump the water supplies. And they, that's needed in the north of Gaza, too. So many families uh, couldn't leave, wouldn't leave. And there's hospitals in the north as well. So much is needed and so much is needed now. Um, Lise, finally, uh, how does this work practically? Uh, much needed aid if it starts coming in. Uh, the U.S. said not to expect uh, those aid convoys uh, to start entering the Gaza Strip till um, earliest tomorrow, Friday, and is then brought to people uh, inside Gaza. What about their safety, though? Because Israel is continuing its airstrikes. Of course, there's renewed talk about a possible ground offensive. Israel still saying it wants to destroy Hamas in the Gaza Strip. So how to separate the civilians uh, and keep them safe while these military activities continue? Given what has happened so far, what we've heard from the Egyptians so far, it seems clear Egypt won't open the Rafah crossing unless it has guarantees that Israel will not bomb it. The Rafah crossing, the only way in and out of the Gaza Strip, uh, has been bombed at least four times since this crisis 
erupted. Egypt has said it needs to keep its staff manning that passage safe. Earlier airstrikes by Israel destroyed some of the buildings. So today they're going to begin the work. First of all, in this extraordinary moment, there's the very ordinary details of road safety. President Biden said there are potholes in the access roads. So his team is on the ground. They're working with some repair teams. They're going to try to fix the roads. So that's the first element of safety, making it sure the trucks can safely reach uh, the crossing. Then there is the issue of being absolutely sure there's an ironclad guarantee that that first convoy, we understand 20 trucks, won't come under Israeli fire. Once it enters Gaza, uh, we, we haven't got all the details, but we would expect that uh, Palestinian health officials, civil servants, the United Nations, other aid agencies will quickly become involved in trying to distribute that aid. Because as we've been reporting, Israel has made it absolutely clear, as did Joe Biden, if any of that aid is diverted by Hamas, it will stop. But as you know, Katya, it must be very difficult to distinguish who is Hamas and who is not. Uh, everyone has been uh, seeking shelter, but certainly it doesn't want it to go to the, the military wing, Izzedine al-Qassam. Um, and we should also emphasize that Israel has said that it will allow aid only through that crossing, that no aid will enter from Israel until all of the captives, nearly 200 captives, Israeli, non-Israeli, 30 nationalities, we're told, come home free. Lise Doucette on the Israel-Gaza border, thank you very much indeed. That was our special international correspondent, Lise Doucette, talking about the conundrum of how to get much-needed aid into Gaza.